It's finally happening, the finals of the all-decade dual tournament, to see who the best college team over the last decade is. In this duel, we have the number one seeded Penn State Nittany Lions taking on the number two seed Iowa. This bracket has been absolutely insane. The amount of matches that these guys have had to go through, the narrow matches, Penn State barely snuck by Virginia Tech, and Ohio State almost got Iowa out of the semifinals. Um, these, two, these two teams are, are incredible. We have some highlight matches here. The number one highlight matchup is Zane Rutherford versus Brent Metcalf at 149 pounds. The best two guys at 149, undoubtedly, throughout the, uh, the decade. Above them is 157 pound Jason Knoll versus Derek St. John. That is another highlight match. Can't wait to dive into that one. Uh, we have two high school teammate matches, Nico Megalutis and Spencer Lee, both from Franklin Regional High School. And uh, 165, you got David Taylor and Alex Marinelli, both from St. Paris Graham. This has some insane matchups. We're going to have some great guests on. Um, David Taylor is going to represent the Nittany Lions. And uh, hope you guys tune in. It's going to be incredible. Let's let it roll. What is going on, everybody? We are back for the finals of the Best of the Decade Dual Tournament, joined today by Jacob Hughley, Jude Swisher, Dyson Gould, and David Taylor. I'm pumped for this interview. Jacob, how's it going today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. Ready to get going with this. I'm excited. This has been uh, – we've been hyped for this for such a long time. We've been doing this dual tournament for, what, three weeks, four weeks? Too long. <laughs> it's time to get, let's get it done. I'm excited for this final. Coach David Taylor, how are you today? I'm doing good, guys. Fantastic. Fantastic. And Dyson, you? Doing well. Ready for a Hawks win. Oh, dear. <laughs> I hate to disappoint Already you. Already talking crap. Because the Nittany Lions are going to come out of this. I'm 100% certain. Wow. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, let's uh let's go ahead and put it up on the board um just so that we have it. Let me find my all decade duels um PowerPoint, but let's just kick it off and start by talking about, you know, what exactly happened up to this point, how we got here. Um can you guys see my duels up here? Yeah, we can see it. Okay. Um so if it'll ever load. Um yeah, like I said, let's just go ahead and start off by you know, how we got here. We ended up with the number one Penn State Nitty Lions versus the number two Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I, I think most people probably thought it was going to be that way. Um, I think the only other team that really had a shot at the finals probably would have been Ohio State because they really did have a stacked lineup. Um, but, you know, Penn State kind of ran through the ran through the competition on the way to the finals. Um, they, they took a 30 to nothing win over Lehigh. Got kind of tripped up by Virginia Tech, but I'm still, you know, still winning by nine points. Um, you know, CP's landmine uh, had, a, had a lot to do with that being closer than we thought it would be. Uh, and then in the semifinals, they took out Wisconsin that was red hot after a couple of huge upset wins. Uh, but they took them, took them out pretty easily, 32 to nine. Uh, on the other side, we had the Hawkeyes beating Arizona State in the first round, twenty-four to six, and then beating Missouri twenty-one to fifteen. 
before their big matchup with Ohio State where they ended up edging out the Buckeyes 22 to 17 in an awesome duel. Mm-hmm. Um, but fantastic. we're down to the end. We got the finals. It's Iowa. It's uh, Penn State. And I'm ready to get into it. How about you guys? Dude, I am so excited. This is going to be an awesome duel. It's going to be very fun. So, All right. Well, um, yeah, get it started, Jacob. Well, let's go ahead and show the lineups. Um, so if you are watching live with us or, or not, um, you can always find us on YouTube at HMA Wrestling uh, and see this video so that you can actually see what we're looking at and see our lineups. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get it started. Number one, Penn State versus number two, Iowa. I'll just go ahead and go through the Iowa lineup real quick and say who we've got. Um, and then I guess we'll, we'll let him get a second to prepare, but let's, we'll ask David to go through the Penn State lineup, if that's cool, in a second. Um, so for Iowa, we're going to start off 125. We got Spencer Lee, two-time national champ, um, possibly a three-timer this year if it were not for COVID. Then you have Corey Clark at 133, national champ, three-time finalist, four-time All-American. Montel Marion at 141 was a two-time finalist, three-time All-American. Brent Metcalf at 149 uh, only wrestled for three years because of you know a transfer issue, uh, but made the finals all three of those years and won two of them. 157 Derek St. John, four-time All-American, two-time finalist, one-time champ. Alex Marinelli at 165. He has been an All-American in all three of his years so far. Has his senior season next year. Jay Borschel, two-time All-American. He was a champ in 2010. Uh, he's actually, you know, as McDonough told us the last episode, the the last Hawkeyes have an undefeated national championship season. Um, 184 Texas pounds, Central. Sammy Brooks. Sammy Brooks was a three-time All-American. Uh, 197, Nathan Burak was also a three-time All-American. And then 285, Bobby Telford, I believe, was also a three-time All-American. Um, so that is the Hawks lineup. And uh, David, do you want to start us off and tell us who we got for Penn State? Sure. <clears throat> so we got Nico Megalutis, uh, four-time All-American national champion, um, also from the same high school as Spencer Lee, which I think plays a factor into that match. <laughs> um, Roman Bravo Young, you know, All-American as a freshman, you know, still, still young. Him and Nick Lee both kind of, I guess Roman's a little younger than Nick Lee. Nick Lee, multiple-time All-American. Zane Rutherford, uh, three-time national champion. Uh, Jason Nall, three-time national champion. Myself, two-time national champion. Mark Hall, national champion, three-time finalist. Uh, Ed Ruth, three-time national champion. Bo Nickel, three-time national champion. Uh, Quentin Wright, two-time national champion. Uh, and Anthony Cassar, national champ. So um, it's a pretty stacked lineup. You know, it's it's uh, going to be fun to uh, to be able to talk about these matchups. Mm. Absolutely. <clears throat> Jacob, so, you have the lower-seeded lineup. Where do you want to start? Yeah, so I was going to say, you know, we've, we've been letting the lower-seeded team pick the starting point for these duels thus far. Um, and, you know, I've been going back and forth on this and whether to just start it off at 125 because of the finals or to set up an awesome finale or final match. Um, and I think I'm going to go with that. So let's start off at 157 and leave 149 for last as I think that's probably the one we're, we're really excited to talk about. So let's start off at 157. Y'all cool with that? Hey, we got uh, we got somebody joining us. Matt McDonough is here. He Ooh. made it. Uh, one second, he'll be in here. But 
I just had to interrupt. We got him in. <laughs> All right. Oh, here he comes. Hey, Matt. All right. Well, uh, while we get Matt on here, um, I'm actually going to – I'll defer my, my pick to Matt since he's on here representing Iowa. So we'll see where Matt wants to start the duel at. Um, we'll go from there. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Can you hear What's us? What's happening, Matt? Let's go, Iowa. 10-0. 10 pins. <laughs> 16-0. David Taylor, you got my picks. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, so we we're just about to start the duel. Trying to figure out where we wanted to start. Um, Iowa is the lower seeded of the obviously one and two seeds. So where do you want to start at, Matt? Hold on. Do we get is the all the landmine rules? Everything else is the same. As, so, no so, landmines for the finals. I knew it. Yeah. Knew that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, in that case, we're starting at one twenty-five because that's why. Well, I mean, we got to go with historically where we would go. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to start off at the top one twenty-five. We've got Spencer Lee versus Nico Megalutis. <sighs> I don't even know where to start. Um, David, do you want to tell us a little? you know, your thoughts on the match? Well, I think, you know, in these things, you know, it's fun to talk about, but as a current athlete, you know, I think, you know, obviously you guys can relate to this, you know, um, all three of us, you know, Matt, uh, Jude, Sam, you know, these things are, are fun for entertainment, but, you know, to be in the business of, of picking people to win over other people is not really something I enjoy doing. So I kind of feel like my job here would be to kind of just, I feel give a backstory of what I think of both people. And then you guys can ultimately decide who's going to win. And I'm, I might uh, maybe give a little encouragement, maybe one way or the other. But, um, you know, I think with this first matchup, it's pretty interesting. You know, like I mentioned is, uh, I mean, you got Spencer, who's, you know, obviously extremely dominant wrestler, you know, across the board. He is one of the best. He's one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. Um, and you got Nico, who's just probably the toughest little kid I've ever – I call him little kid because he's kind of always been a little brother to me, but he's not. I mean, he's just like – he is so tough, you know, in every every aspect um, in terms of – there's not – I don't know the last time that I remember him really kind of being out of a college match dating back to maybe his true freshman year when he was wrestling just like some absolute hammer. So, you know, we're kind of talking about the best version of both of these people. So – you know, I do think that on paper, people might think, oh, wow, this is like a, a huge, you know, win. But I don't think so. I think it's definitely – Nico's just – way that he can wrestle, he's just very strategically, you know, what he can do is flexibility. Um, and, I, and I think his conditioning level plays a big factor in a match like this. And they both are from the same place. So these guys have wrestled for years and years and years and years. So there's definitely a familiarity, familiarity factor, you know, in this matchup. Maybe a big brother factor even. Maybe a little Nico big brothering going on. Well, I mean, I, I, tell I, don't, you I don't know what the age group fact, is here. There's no such thing as big brother Spencer Lee. <laughs> Jeez, all right. Well, hey, listen, let me also talk up Nico a little bit. Listen, he has wins over – I was just going back. Just in college, he has wins over Joey Dance, NCAA finalist, Darian Cruz, NCAA champ, Jesse Delgado, NCAA champ, multiple wins over Thomas Gilman, wins over Corey Clark, Ronnie Perry. Like, this man's hit list is insane, all right? He was in, he's crazy flexible, crazy motor. Um, I mean, the only time I can ever remember even being turned was in the finals uh, in, like, a crazy scramble against Delgado, and he got cradled up. Um, that was the only time I could ever find him giving up back points in his entire – college career. Um, I don't think he would be barred by Spencer. 
And I don't think he would be, you know, I don't think he would be dumped by Spencer. I think Spencer's off while Spencer's offense is good. I think Nico's defense is better. Um, also, listen, Spencer's best win this year was like Devin Schroeder. All right. That, that, that was his best win in, in this peak, peak Spencer Lee year that you guys love so much. Whereas, you know, Nico's best year, he beat Thomas Gilman, right? World silver medalist. Not Man. a big deal, but I would argue that his biggest one was pitching any this year. He majored, but. Did he? I, I was looking. I, I could in not. The Iowa Oklahoma State duel? Let me, give me yeah, one second. That was second. definitely his best win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was not Devin Schroeder. Right, but still, like, Thomas Gilman and, and Nick Piccinini are on two different levels. Two different, entirely different levels. Um, man, I, I think I'm going to pick Nico in this match, to be completely honest. I think Nico match, match, I think he matches up really well against Spencer. I think he has, he has the accolades. He has the drive. He has the motor. He has, like David said, he's never really been out of a match in college. And, and Spencer, if you can make it to the third period with Spencer, you're, you statistically have the best chance to win. So I'm picking Nico Megalutis here in this match. All right, Matt, what do you think? I think this is no question Spencer Lee's match. No uh, question? No question. Yeah, no question. No question. I've wrestled them both. The, the man is at Nico Megalutis. <laughs> I've wrestled jail. them both. <laughs> do you want me? To, hey, do you want me to sub in myself and bump Spencer up? Because then everyone knows the answer to the question on that one. I'm four and zero against him. I think Spencer Lee, no question. I was debating bonus points or not, but I don't think. I think, given what David said. Um, and my experience wrestling Nico, um, I know how dangerous Spencer is, but I just, you know, when you're talking about really high matchups, um, it, it gets more and more difficult to get bonus. And Nico's, there's some people that are able to be bonus and some people that just uh, mentality-wise, they, they, don't, they don't let it happen. Um, so I, I think Spencer, for sure, um, biased or not, I think that, that's definitely my pick. I don't think bonus. I was debating whether I'd say bonus, but I think it would be a decision. Um, he wins the scrambles. Spencer does uh, top and bottom. Um, obviously, he's got an advantage on top, but I don't think either of them ride each other out. Um, and, and that, that's that. That's why, do my you think, why do you think Spencer would win the, the scrambles? Because he's a better scrambler. I mean – this is an easy one for me to pick because I've wrestled right. them both. Right. I, no, I, I hope they meet internationally. Then it can get settled that way. They probably will. They've wrestled many times in workouts, but mm-hmm. everybody knows workouts, uh, that's not under the lights. Um, but from my perspective, it's not a question to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I was – before – getting on here and actually talking about it. I think I was thinking more bonus points for Spencer. Um, you know, and when I say bonus points, I was thinking like eight point win. I wasn't thinking yeah, like, yeah, you know, maybe. 12 points or a tech or something, not, not even close to that. Um, it, it's, it was just kind of a matter of, can I see Spencer turning him or not? Um, and, you know, like Jude said, you know, he, he went back and kind of dug into it. And really the only time he could find, him getting turned was in that finals with Delgado. Um, I, I think that Spencer has a way better shot of turning him. 
Um, and I could even see a turn in this match. Um, but I, I, I can't go bonus. Uh, I'm going to go Spencer by decision. I think that he's just, just a little bit better in every position. I think he can take him down. I think that he can ride him out on top and I think that he can get away, but I, I don't, I don't see it pushing enough to be bonus. Sam? I'm going Spencer Lee. Um, it, I think it's pretty simple. Again, I don't really think there's much of an argument for Nico Megalutis. Um, Spencer Lee is more accomplished in his career, um, more national titles, and he would have had one this year, um, many people believe. And, you know, the fact that Spencer Lee's backup, the man on here, Matt McDonough, beat Nico Megalutis three times is pretty hard to argue against um, because these guys have never had a head-to-head matchup. Um, that's pretty hard to argue against. Hmm. Absolutely. All right, so we got we got Lee three to one. Yeah, and if uh, if David, if you don't want to uh, to make votes or something, we have Dyson Gould outside to to make the tiebreaker votes if we need them. There we go. Well, we know where he's going to go on his tiebreaker vote. Right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want him involved. Yeah, that's not a uh, that, that's just like a blind trust. Like I'm just going to just go with the team that I like the best. He's got like black and yellow blinders yeah. on. Yeah. I'm, I'm objective. You know, I'm objective he was, when looking he was at this. Go, so. he, he told me he was going with Megalutis until uh, Matt Matt said he had beat him three times. I don't think he knew that. Interesting. So hey. I do. I, I mean, I think I would be interested in a tiebreaker vote. You know, I think. Um, but I do think you guys have a pretty good – I think that regardless, this match is very close. Like, um, yes. you know, Nico, just knowing how – you know, knowing both these guys – and I, I know Nico much better than I know Spencer. But, I mean, I know Spencer on the way that he competes. I mean, he's like an unbelievable competitor. And, I told, like I said, I do truly believe that he right now currently is one of the best wrestlers in the entire world at 57 kilos. So, um, Nico, you know, is, this, is the same. So, I think – but at, in, in college wrestling – is different than freestyle wrestling for sure. You know, I think it definitely is a, there's a different athlete to be required to be a great college wrestler and to be a great freestyle wrestler, you know, for sure. But in terms of college wrestling, Nico, I mean, he was just, I mean, outside his true freshman year, I mean, and even that year, I mean, he still had a great year, made it to, you know, obviously making it to the national finals. He, He just was a guy that was a gamer and he was like, he would literally have his arm absolutely ripped off of his body before he was like getting turned. So, I think that one way or the other, that match is, is extremely close. Like in the third period, within a point or two points, um, just because of the, both how the competitors are. Um, and I think it's, a, I think it's a, a credit to both guys that it would be a really tough match. And is this match in Rec Hall? Oh, oh maybe. Uh, I, no, neutral it's site. A neutral, it's a neutral, neutral site, site, like the National yeah. Duels. Neutral is it? site. Okay. So no, I don't know. Who cares? Otherwise, Carver is also a tough place to wrestle. So I think that yeah. that does have some influence on some of these matches, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you're talking about might sway it. bonus points and, uh, you know, crowd, crowd involvement. I mean, that definitely plays a little factor because, you know, when you're wrestling in a place, I, and I think, you know, I, wrestling in both places and, and Matt's wrestling in both places as, I mean, Carver is a, is a little bit bigger, more people, obviously, but it has this, like, and Rec Hall has the same thing. I mean, Rec Hall has been, I mean, traditionally a lot of people have struggled wrestling in there because it's just, it's heavy. Like you, when you walk into that, either room, when you walk out, you, you, you are on the mat and it's just like a heavy feeling. So no matter if you're in the best shape, you're the best shape athlete, 
or you're the better athlete, or you're maybe there, there can be a, a separate gap in separation. So um, I think that that definitely you know plays a big factor in college wrestling. You know, yeah. home, home, you know, I guess home mat advantage. Yeah, yep. right. You know, it's crazy. At 174, if it was in Rec Hall, I would feel really, really confident picking Mark Hall. And if it was in Carver, I would feel really, really confident picking Jay Borshell. Well, that's why we have to just assume it's in a back yeah. alley. Hard, <laughs> or, or you pick based on where you want it to be. I'm up, I'm up for all that. David, yeah. what would you say, before we move on, what would you say Nico's greatest asset was? Is it, you know, flexibility, tenacity, what? Inginess. Uh, hard to score points on, man. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was just, I mean, he was, he was pretty relentless, you know, but yeah, I just think the biggest thing, I think you said stinginess, is like he, I mean, he would literally be okay ripping off his leg, um, like gnawing it off, then he would be, you know, okay getting take down. And one of the things that made him really, really tough to ride is he was so flexible, and he did this, like, short sit thing, and then he used his, like, real flexible arms, and you get escapes, and it was really, really, really hard for people to ride him. The only people that really could yeah. ride him were guys that dropped down to his ankle, which is, you know, that's not, you know, that's not obviously how a guy who's trying to score points is going to try and ride somebody. So, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he was just, like – I, it's hard to explain, like, being around for so long, but I would say stinginess is probably a really good aspect, just, like, gritty and tough. Yeah. I think hey, uh, David, did, they, did they tell you when uh, Logan came on what he did? No, what did he do? He went 10-0 Ohio State, just zero thought about it. It was 10-0 Ohio State. <laughs> hey, when I came on here, I'm like, well, shoot, now I feel like I'm a terrible person if I pick against any Iowa guy. But I'm like you. I want to be objective. I want to try to make this realistic, but it's hard to Hater even make picks. Too. Granted, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm retired and, and not uh, wrestling anymore, so it's a, you know, a little easier, but it's still not fun. I mean, I don't want to pick against any of my boys, but you got to be objective. Gotta make yeah. it realistic if you're getting on a podcast. And yeah. that's I respect you not making any very strong picks. Um unless maybe sixty five you make a pick. I, I I can't can't argue if you make a pick at sixty five. <laughs> can't tell you that's ridiculous because if I was in this thing I would be me every time. I mean, right? That's the only way you think. How about I make it really interesting? How about I am going to Make a lineup change and put Tony Ramos in at 133 as a coach. Oh, I'm okay with that. I love it. The matchup uh, is, in my opinion, favorable more so to Tony Ramos, and I can tell you why. All right, let me let me correct it and I'll throw it back up there. And um, you know, we have a we we could have a debate on who the top 133 for Iowa is if we just go on purely results. It's probably. Clark, based on his total career of four All Americans, but they both have one national title, and they both multi-time finalists. And the reason I pick, the reason I pick Tony Ramos over Corey Clark for this, um, and I I think both of them can um, beat Roman Bravo Young. And it's hard to even choose when you're dealing with some of these guys that are not even finished with their careers because right. the C, I mean, the sky's the limit for Roman Bravo Young. We don't know what his potential is, but we know what Tony Ramos has done. Um, the reason I'm taking Tony Ramos over Corey Clark is Tony Ramos is a very hard hand fighter. He's very strong, 
hard to score points on, and he tends to not have major issues folk style in his folk style career with quick, explosive guys. Um, he, he neutralizes that pretty well, um, and he definitely uh, was a um, Penn State killer in a few duels. Um, but Corey Clark on the other side has been known in a few um, matches to, to give up a lot of early takedowns to guys that are very quick and explosive. And I think that's kind of, as we've seen, been RBY's MO, um, especially this year where he can put points on the board fast and early. Um, so as you can guess, if I'm substituting Tony Ramos, I'm picking Tony Ramos to win. It's going to be low scoring, but it's going to be very controlled. Um, and Ramos is going to wear on him and do what he does best and probably – um, get a, a solid takedown somewhere in the later half of the match and seal it. That's my pick. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm going to agree. I, I think that just looking at peak careers as of this moment, um, I, I really do think it favors Ramos and, you know, yeah, one, one two-point match. I think the athleticism of Roman Bravo Young is – unreal and i think if we talk about this match in two two years down the road it might be a different conversation it might it might be a different pick for me um but right at this very second uh yeah i'm gonna go ramos in a close one really close gritty match the thing i love about roman bravo young is that he took himself from being a eighth place finishers you know by all accounts like pretty much sneaking in the backside he took out philippi in a in a real good match in the um in the blood rounds and he fit eighth. And then he took in one year to, you know, in a, in a competition for a national title, right. Arguably had as good a shot as any of the four guys there and, and definitely could have won it. And so that for me is, is really cool to see the progression of Roman Bravo young from freshman to the sophomore year. Is he a red red shirt freshman currently? No, red shirt, red shirt sophomore. He He did not red shirt. Yeah. He he got thrown out right away. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I no. think, you know, it's interesting in this match. I think that the Tony Ramos sub is interesting. You know, for Tony, I've grown up wrestling literally against Tony since we were 10 years old. Camps, tournaments, you know, I've known him for a long, long time. I think he really grew as a wrestler. You know, I think, you know, he was a good wrestler. And then in high school, he made a big jump. And then in college, you know, he was, I mean, he, he was, he kind of was the Iowa, I mean, guy and I thought Matt was and I thought the Brent you know when Brent left then Matt was and then when Matt was done then Tony was so Tony I think in terms of a dual meet is a really important person because of his personality and the way that he kind of represented their program um he was very tactical in the way that he wrestled um obviously you know he's it was tough to score on strong you can tell that but for Roman you know, like, I'm, I've, I've been very vocal about being the number one on the Roman, Bra- Roman Bravo Young fan club bus. And <laughs> he just, like, he, had, he just, like, he hasn't even been able to reach his potential of what he is. I think he doesn't even understand how good he is yet. And he's learning that every single day. Coming from Arizona, where the, the talent pool isn't as, as strong, you know. And I think, you know, he was unbelievable talent then. Got here, wrestled as a true freshman. You know, eighth place in that bracket last year was no joke. I mean... I mean, that bracket was, bracket. was brutal. And, you know, this year was no different. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd be interesting. I, I, you know, does Tony beat DeSanto? You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You, you guys would know that better than I would. But I, I would assume that's a pretty close match. So I think 
you know, Roman, um, again, I don't, I don't really like picking people to win matches, but in this one, I just, I think Roman's maturity this year, he would win this match based on just the intangibles that he has. Like he can, the way he can wrestle in and out of positions, um, his explosiveness, you know, he became much better wrestler on top and bottom this year than he's been in the past. So, um, I think that Roman would, would win this match, but I do again, think that this match is, is razor thin. Um, and, uh, and could, could, you know, I could see it definitely going either way, but I think that, um, Tony makes it, uh, a very competitive match for sure. Right. And also like back to, you know, the whole maturity of, of his wrestling development, he, he was able to wrestle really close matches this year, especially against, you know, Seth Gross and, uh, and Austin DeSanto. And he's able to win those close matches too. And he, he can go out with a really great game plan and, um, and execute it, you know, especially against like Austin DeSanto, I guess is the closest thing that we're going to have to a, a Tony Ramos like figure. Um, so that's what I'm comparing him to. Um, and you know, Roman had a game plan. He's able to execute, able to wrestle really close matches and not lose his head. Um, he's able to, you know, stay in the hand fight without being overwhelmed by the hand fight. So um, I'll go Roman Bravo Young in this match. I'll take him over Tony Ramos. Man, I don't know. I don't. I don't like this matchup for for Roman Bravo Young at all. I I think if it was Corey Clark, I really I really think I was taking Roman Bravo Young. He looks so so good this year, but the matchup in Tony Ramos is a terrible one for him. He did not wrestle a guy like that all year. DeSanto is wide open and gives up points so easily. Um, Gross is a long, lanky guy who's scramble and a much, much different wrestler from Ramos. Um, Rivera is athletic and Roman Bravo young type guy. He, he hasn't gotten a feel like Tony Ramos at all, and I think it's an awful matchup for him. I'm going to have to go Tony Ramos, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the vote. Mm. I definitely think that this one – I think RBY is kind of hindered by where he's at in his career right now for this one, for the, maybe me and Sam. Um, just if we look back after four years of RBY, it, I could definitely see it going a different way. But, yeah, you know. That's why these are fantasy duels. They're, they're just it's for yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to take a guy that's in a lineup like Spencer Lee, who's still got a year left, and Roman Rava Young, who's got two years left, and pick – and even Nick Lee, pick how they're at Marinelli. I mean, who knows what Marinelli does next year? The pick based on only what they have so far, but that's, I mean, that's the name of the game, what we're doing. So we got to pick on what they've done so far. We can't predict what they're going to do in the future. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump down to 141. Um, so far, the Hawks take the first two, so we're a six, nothing right now. Um, obviously not going to stay that way. But 141, Nick Lee, Montel Marion. Uh, this is a really interesting matchup. And, I, man, uh, this would be a, a really fun one to watch. Matt, do you want to start us off with this one? Well, we've discussed it before. You know where my take is on Montel. Um, I think he's one of the, you know, the best Hawkeyes to never win a title. Um, you look at his track record of who – he went up against um, in the years that he competed. And he was notoriously one of those guys who wasn't flashy, wasn't um, this high point scorer. He was just hard-nosed and um, had a very 
very strong gas tank and just war on guys. I mean, relentless. I remember you guys mentioned it at the Penn State duel he was at. He got thrown on his head by, I think it was, it was either Andrew or Dylan, obviously, but Andrew Alton. I think it was Andrew Alton. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, David. It might have been Dylan. But got thrown on his head in the first period for five points, held there for a while, and then just relentless, nonstop to, to make sure he won that match. Um, and I've seen him do it in other matches as well. But, you know, um, yeah, you got a, you got a home field advantage here and, and have a little homer status. I, I, I'd go for Montel Marion based on um, what I know he's capable of. Would this be a, if I had to go through the duel, like a toss-up match? Like if you're a coach and you're like circling the matches that are, hey, we, these, are win, these are matches we got to win because they're, they're important toss-up matches. And really – you got to win everyone, but like this is a marquee one to win because just on paper we know that this is a dual changing match um, for sure. And I think Montel can absolutely win this one. I would love to see it. Um, I think you know you're looking at two guys who wrestle um, relatively the same. Probably the only difference is I would say Nick Lee's proven this year he's a little more offensive, but when it yeah. comes to shape when it comes to hand fighting when it comes to just solid good wrestling position i think they're very similar opponents hmm. yeah uh, this is another match where depending on the location i think my vote would sway if it was in carver i think i'm all montel if it was in recall i think i'm all nick lee i think that's how close this match is but also how how incredible both of these teams arenas are and in, in location here, take this real quick. Just This isn't saying anything about my pick, but <clears throat> the guys who gave Nick Lee trouble are gun, gunslinger-type guys, correct? So you have Pletcher this year, who was throwing up lots and lots of points. You had um, you know, uh, Dom Demas last year in the NCAA Concy semis. What about um, Joey McKenna? Well, that, that is Joey McKenna. Joey McKenna is less of a gunslinger. I don't know if I would classify But Lee has, Lee has wins over... McKenna, you know, you're definitely not classifying Pletcher as a gunslinger. No, I don't think Pletcher's a gunslinger. <laughs> not at all. I think he scores a lot of points, but he's not a gunslinger. He's good. He's not a gunslinger. Kyle Snyder will text people. You would call him an explosive wrestler. You wouldn't call Kyle him a gunslinger. Kyle Snyder okay. texts people and puts up a bunch of points. I would not consider him a mm. gunslinger, though. Right. Well, I mean, what basically the point I'm saying is that stylistically, I think that Nick Lee is less likely to lose to Montel than he would to someone who is going to score a lot of points like that, as we've Possibly. seen based well, on past events. What about Ironman? He destroyed Ironman. In, at, the, at the Open? Yeah. I, that one is – I don't know why. I actually – I right. don't know what to do. Dude, Lay it on you me, Matt. Nick Lee? Because the way you just talked, it's Nick Lee, which is totally fine. That's okay. I mean, That's I might. Good. I might pick Nick Lee. David Taylor, you want to you wanna – Tell us a little bit about Nick. Wait, you're going to say all that and then not pick, not make your pick? <laughs> you can just, we're not giving you a whole other segment to talk about your pick. You're picking Nick Lee. All right, I'm picking Nick Lee. Thank you. To be honest, he's, he's one of my favorite college wrestlers right now, to, just to watch. He's, well, you know I picked really Montel Marion, so put that up. <laughs> I'll keep my homer status. <laughs> I don't while I can the freaking hammers are coming out coming up here I know right David tell us a little bit about Nick Lee this staying uh, impartial not picking people is starting to become a lot more difficult for me um, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hard isn't it <laughs> you brought you on. because 
I think with Nico and Spencer, you know, I do I, – I, that, that one was a little tough for me. But I think as we get through here, you know, as I look through these lineups more, they become much more cut and dry for me, I think. But, I mean, Montel Marion was a good wrestler. Uh, you know, he was I, – I, this, is, this is borderline bonus points for Nick Lee, in my opinion. Uh, this is wow. – um, I don't think it's a close match. I honestly don't. And I think that it's close. I think Nick Lee could be uh, bonus – and the turn away, what she started doing this year – I mean, he established himself as one of the most dominant wrestlers in the country this year. He was in the, in the Hodge Trophy talk this year. You know, obviously, he lost the Big Tens, but Luke Pletcher is, I mean, he's a really talented kid, really talented. I think, I don't know what, I don't know if those guys wrestled in the dual meet and what happened there, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a uh, Nick Lee win. You can put that on the board for me, and I think that could be bonus points. Hmm. Man. David, David what do you think about, like do you know, uh, like, if you had to compare someone that Nicholas wrestled in his career to Montel, who would it be? I, I can't really put my finger on any specific guy. When you guys started talking, I was trying to, like, think about that in my head. Yeah. Um, you know, Montel was, like, you know, he was a – you know, he was kind of a lefty high C guy. Um, mm -hmm. He was tough. Um, but Mitch there, McKee uh, it wasn't really, FC. like, the, the – I'm just trying to think of a guy that would – he, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I, can't, I, like, compared, I compared Nick Lee in Montel's era to like Mike Thorne, and he went back and forth with Mike Thorne a lot. Hmm. Freaking fighter. Okay. Just, I mean, you're going to go blow for blow. It's, yeah. not, it's just interesting to go back. Score. What's that? Well, the Montel Marin era was like, you know, he, it was like right – he ended as I was getting started, you know. So, yeah, so he, he, he wrestled, you know – a freshman Dake. He wrestled Kellen Russell a lot. He wrestled Jimmy Kennedy. Yep. He wrestled Mike Thorne. Um, he wrestled uh, Kendrick Maple. I mean, you, you keep going over and over. He, he wrestled a lot of good guys, and none of them were uh, like, oh, man, this guy is way outmatched. Um, no, and that's where you know, I think it definitely would be a dogfight. That's where I don't think there's any bonus. And I'm, of course, going to pick Marion because – um, if it's a toss-up, I'm taking taking my guy. So but, this is the biggest, I think, and something like this, not to cut you off, Matt, sorry, but I think college wrestling has changed from what it was then, what it was when we were in college, and what it is now. I think the, the tough, the good, the, the elite wrestlers are proving now that they're elite more, right? I think there's a time when, man, everyone was tough, and they all kind of did, no one, there was no separation. I remember watching that as a kid, that, man, that's what Kale was so special to me is, he was the best, and he, he, he wrestled like he was the best. But a lot of – you know, every match was – there were some guys you watched, you're like, why is this guy winning 5-2? to two? He's so much better than this. You know, and I think when we started going, and I think the best guys started really wrestling to that effect because in order to be able to win those postseason awards and things, you had to do that. You couldn't just be undefeated 30-0 and 0 and have 30 decisions because you get, kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I think that's where the separation, as you start really now moving forward to the rest of this lineup is, yeah – these guys are all tough wrestlers, but you're talking about this is an era of guys that, I mean, wrestled to score a lot of points. They weren't wrestling to just win matches. They were wrestling to score a lot of points. And I think that the, I these are coming these up two on eras. Brent right? Metcalf next, so I, I would say he doesn't exactly fit into that mold. No, he's not. But I'm saying, but as you start going, I think and moving forward towards the lineup. Yeah, and Kale didn't fit into that mold either, but it That's did kind of transition. That's fair. There's always going to be outliers in, 
in every situation. I mean, we're going we're going a team that's won one national title in the last decade to a team that's won nine, <laughs> eight, yeah, eight. Yeah. I don't eight or remember. nine, yeah. Eight, so, all right, eight. So you think about that, and I mean. <laughs> There's naturally there's gonna be some freaking hammers on one team. Right, right. Both teams, Matt. Both teams. Jacob, right, so what you got? Let's update. We got we got two for Lee, one for Marion right now. Uh, me and two Sam have yet oh, to yeah, vote. Sorry, sorry. Um, I go ahead. Like you guys are saying, I, I mean, well, with the exception of David, I think everybody's kind of talked about how close it would be, and I like I, I feel the same way. I feel like it'd be a really good match, and it would be a a one point match either way. Um, I, I just I look at some of the competition that Marion had over his years and how Jake close those Kennedy. matches were. Um, and I'm staring at the brackets right now, and I, I think the decider for me, like how close this match is in my head, I think I'm going to go with you know how they performed at the national tournament. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm not even talking about the two-time you know finals from Marion, more of how the matches went. Um, and you know, looking at them. Marion was at the national tournament three times and his first try he got second and he lost to uh, Kyle Dake in the finals, which yeah. is obviously one of the best of all time. Um, it was a seven to three match. So it wasn't too incredibly close, but um, you know, it's closer than, than a lot of people have been with Dake. 2011, he got fourth, but he lost in the semifinals in tiebreakers, ultimate tiebreakers with Kellen Russell, who won the championship that year. Yeah. Um, and then 2012, he met Kellen Russell in the finals and won or lost in overtime on a takedown. So just how close he is with all of those greats. And we're, I mean, we're literally talking about a dude that's a couple points away from being a two or three time national champ. Um, and, and so I just, I got to go with, with Montel here just out of respect for how great he performed at those NCAA tournaments. So Would back on my say, back on my point a second ago, yeah, right? Yeah. But you that era of guys, right? Kellen Russell was I mean, he was a guy that yeah, he could have won by more points, but to, to the comparison of the one point loss overtime, that was every one of Kellen's matches, no matter if it was Montel Marion or whoever else that it was. So that's where my separation factor is, is I'm saying like I just think that that era of guys, they all wrestled those close matches. And Nick Lee, I think this year, and it's again it's hard because you're talking about like a your complete body of work, but um, I mean, Nick Lee, the way that he wrestles, I think would just it would it's going to be an overwhelming match that's going to dictate that. And you talk about a swing match as well, but you know, I think that's where when you're looking at these matches and, and making these comparisons, like you're looking at their culmination of their careers, but I also think it's looking at um, the points that when they wrestled, I do believe makes a fact plays a factor in, in the results of these matches. Mm. Absolutely. Sammy, break the tie. Man, there's there's so many points to to fall. Like I could pick certain things that would favor Montel, pick certain things that would favor Lee. This one is really so close, but these guys' styles are so different. Like Nick Lee, defensively is not very good in my eyes. He can scramble. His his skills come all from offense, and Montel's kind of the opposite. His short offense is so incredible. His reattacks are so good. Um, it's really hard to to base it off of. The, the thing that I would see is Montel wouldn't get to his reattacks because of the types of shots that Nick Lee shoots. He shoots like a low ankle knee pull. I guess I would call it like an ankle pull. I don't know. Um, and a fireman's. And those two shots do not set up well for reattacks at all. 
Um, I'm going to go Montel. I think his defense still, even though if he got in on the shot, I don't think he'd be able to finish. And uh, I just think there's there's a little more points for Montel to win. So um, I think that also in, in this matchup, if they are so close, I would always take the aggressor over the, the, de- the defender, right? It, it, you, I mean, by your own admission, it's a really close match. So yeah. I think because of that, I would take the one who's you – know, hey, I'll, I'll give you props on that one, Jude. That's – that's a good point. That's I think saying, Kyle Dake's an outlier for that point. But uh, hey, you gotta always give it to the give it to the offensive guy. Right, you gotta give it to the yeah. offensive guy. What about and a guy like Kyle Dake? Kyle, uh, there you go. Oh, throwing that in there. There's yeah. a curveball. Yeah, but Montel didn't beat Kyle Dake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. No, 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 I know, but like <laughs> in that point, that's so a like different. Yanni's that's a red herring, Sam Herring. We gotta stay on this. We gotta stay on this. All right, topic. all right. Not a red herring. That's on the same point. Let's go to the. Let's go to the. We could spend the next thirty minutes discussing this one. I think yeah. everyone. Yeah. We could spend the whole podcast. Let's go to this one. Oh no. Yep. So <laughs> one forty nine. Heading into one forty nine, uh, possibly the biggest duel or the biggest match of the duel. Uh, we got nine O Hawks right now. Um, man, this. I mean, I know this one has been talked about uh, across all kinds of different platforms for wrestling frl talked about it for basically a whole show um so i'm interested to, to hear all of you guys thoughts on this one but zane rethford brent metcalf wow um i don't even know where to start david do you want to start us off with this one i'm so frustrated about the last match yeah me too. <laughs> i don't understand sam's logic he said he's a counter wrestler he doesn't think he's gonna get a counter shot but then pick montel marion like if you're a counter wrestler and you can't get a counter shot how are you gonna score any points well i don't think it's just off of counter offense i think it, it's also the short offense that he has in the front headlock position i think he beats him with his hips there's <laughs> this is getting frustrating <laughs> We're about to get some better. I was trying There's to make points better. for both guys. That was where I was coming from. Is trying to make like you Sam, guys you made, better, a lot of you made better points for Nick Lee. You made better David, points for Nick Lee. David, just feel blessed that they did. They they took out the landmines because my first on here two duels ago they landmined and had Daniel Lewis pin Jay Borschel the first match <laughs> of the duel, and I didn't even know what was going on. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I don't get to pick anything. Daniel Lewis just pins Jay Borschel. Like, huh. Come on. That was also Sam, I'd like to point out. Oh, you got to love the, the you know, theor- theoreticalness of it. <laughs> yeah. The suspension is well, what's whatever you want to say. Brett Metcalf. I-, I think we got down to the final, the right two teams. Okay, so. At least we did um, that. Yeah. yeah we could have had Wisconsin in the finals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my All right. gosh. Your All boy right. Gross tried to run the table. Yeah. <laughs> he, he All right, Matt, what do you see for this one? I want to hear David. I I don't know what I think. (laughs) This is, uh, I mean, I think stuff. I mean, just in terms of these guys and the way they wrestle, um, you know, Brent was just generational in the way that he wrestled, you know, which was cool. It's cool to see that, you know, to see a guy that truly believed that he was better than everybody else and the way that he wrestled to truly dominate and like, you know, break his opponents, you know, that's just, that was, you know, it was, it was, you know, that was an enjoyable thing to watch when I was a kid, you know, because it was the outlier. And that's where, I, again, I, I believe, you know, that is something that is – but it set the tone for, again, this next generation of guys, which we're getting into, you know, now starting with Zane, really, and going through this next – you know, the rest of this slide on the Penn State side of, of, of this lineup. So, I mean, I would say Brent's probably been like a, um, a motivational 
you know, factor for a lot of wrestlers, you know, um, and yeah. the way that he wrestled during that time. But where the difference is in this matchup is just it's mat wrestling. Um, and I think the, the, the closest comparison that I can get to this match would be, you know, Brent and Lance Palmer um, and Lance's leg riding and how that played a factor. Um, and I just, I think that Zane as a complete wrestler, you know, around, you know, as a scrambler you know, on his offense and on the mat, you know, I do think that that is the difference maker here. Um, you know, Zane, ah, man, we, he's just so, he was so dominant. I don't know. I don't know if Zane would get a turn. Um, but I do think that riding time um, would play a difference. And I think, you know, looking back, I don't know how many close matches Metcalf had, you know, and I think, you know, Zane would be, would be able to match his tenacity, you know, every step of the way. I mean, if, you know, Brent threw a, a hard club, you know, Zane was throwing one right back and he could match it for the entire match. And I think that was where a lot of people melted during uh, Metcalf's era. So, um, that would be kind of my analysis here would be, you know, the, the, the leg riding top wrestling of Zane and just being able to match, uh, you know, really, I think I talked pretty highly of Brand. I, I believe him that, I believe that highly, I think when I think of him, but obviously I equally think of that as Zane and I think Matt wrestling is, is the difference factor. Yeah. And I'm I right was there behind you. I'm I was going to go, go off of this, Sam, uh, David, when I was looking at this, this match and deciding who to pick, like I looked at. The, just the three positions, and I, I believe that Zane is pretty evenly matched with, with Metcalf on their feet. Like, we can all, like, from our just seeing, like, they were both really tough hand fighters, both had great offense. Um, and they both never really got ridden. Um, but I do think the outlier is, Day, uh, is, sorry, Zane is considerably better on, his, on, on top. And so if you're looking at these three positions where they're so close, um, I'm going to go with Zane because of his top prowess. Um, again, like I said, I don't know if he would turn him. Riding time is, is definitely um, a factor. I, I almost feel like this match is them wrestling themselves. I feel like Zane and Brent are almost the, um, in neutral especially, are almost the exact same wrestler. Obviously, there are a lot of differences, especially now Zane's adapted so much. He's got a lot more um, offense lower down on the legs. But in college, Zane and Metcalf, wrestled so much alike except maybe on on the mat brent was a classic iowa we'll ride you out we'll do what it takes we'll mat return you a million times um but he never really got many turns he could bar bar guys up um but i'm i'm with you guys i think zane's edge is on the mat but i think riding time really wouldn't be a thing and so the only factor for me is zane has a bigger possibility to to get a turn and Brent doesn't. I think they would both cancel each other's riding timeout. So um, mm. this match is flip a coin for me, really. Oh, man. Matt, Matt what are you thinking? Sorry, Matt. Um, I definitely do not disagree with anyone other than the fact that, I mean, Metcalf was a hammer on top as well. But yeah. if you specifically look at Zane on top of Brent, I think that's, um, I mean, Metcalf has been turned before, um, yeah. you know, and, and he's overcome that with just sheer overwhelming pace and tenacity. Um, and one, one, several matches where he did get turned in. Um, one I think of is, is a scrambly match with, uh, Pat Patatso or however you say his name from, uh, is it Purdue? Patatso. 
Um, he, he won the match, but you know, um, I, um, I think the difference for me, um, and again, it's, this is one of those where we could all make strong cases either way, um, based on their body of work. Um, but I think Brent is much better on the feet personally. Just based on what I've seen, I think he's um, he's just he's, his left-handed high crotch is incredible. Um, he's made a lot of uh, success. Um, obviously, not at the world um, championships, but on the international stage from his um, from his wrestling on his feet. And I think in a in a good in in the right you know in the match going the right way for Brent he's taking Zane down um, and there's not a lot of time spent underneath um, so I'm gonna take Metcalf um, but this is one of those where being an Iowa Homer really it's still it doesn't like it's one of those picks where eh, I would just like to see the match in right. their spot <laughs> you can't do it now. But in their in both in their primes, I would just like to see the match because frankly, who knows? I mean, they're both so mentally tough um, and, and so so uh, brutal to their opponents. I mean, Metcalf had shoot, I want to say he had twenty pins in a year. Um, the year he didn't win the national title, that's when he got he got like nineteen or twenty pins, and I I I witnessed it. I was a I was a red shirt that year and i just witnessed him he just grabbed dudes and ripped their arms off i mean they they would be combination of exhausted and not wanting to be injured you so, guys agree that zane's a tecker brent's a pinner i don't know about that zane had a lot of pins too when he i think about zane redford i think one, about him pinning people in bow and arrows one thing i was gonna yeah, ask was said. uh who are outside of logan stever who are zane's best wins in college i know he's had yeah. some awesome wins already uh internationally but who are some of his best yeah, wins he, 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 he really to be honest i think a lot of guys dodged him and moved weights um as you look I, at metcalf last that dude years, that dude been some freaking studs yeah he won the yeah. the best weight class of all time right wasn't that 2008 yeah and so if you take out a lot of those guys you know you just add in more bonus points right. um more bonus point victories but it's i mean no matter what the answer is, both of these guys are phenoms. So you got Brent Calf? I got Brent Calf. Oh, man. Jacob. I love that nickname. I'll man, be right, I, I'll be right back. I have to use the uh, the restroom quick. I'll be right back. All right. I, uh, it's, this one's so hard for me. Um, I think I've gone all, all kinds of different ways. Like before getting on the show, I was just Metcalf's going to win. Getting on the show, listening to – David talk about that kind of that, that match with Palmer, how the, the decider, or it really played a factor Palmer's ability to ride on top and that leg riding. I think that that really does sway in Zane's favor. Um, and then when, I, when we were just at the end thinking about, you know, the guys that they wrestled um, I, I do agree that Metcalf wrestled kind of better competition maybe. Um, but what I'm thinking back to is like a specific match. I was thinking, you know, Zane and Sorensen, um, and Zane did kind of whoop up on Sorensen, I think, one time, um, but they were pretty close also. And if you ask me Metcalf or Sorensen, I'm going Metcalf. Um, 
I, man, I could, this is a crazy match. I'm going to go Zane um, because I just feel like when I visualize the match, I can see a takedown for each guy. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that Zane can get a riding time point and even I'm not going to say would, but I think there's definitely a possibility of a turn there for Zane. Mm-hmm. I just think there's more, more avenues to a victory for Zane. Uh, so I'm going to go Zane. But man, uh, yeah, I'm with all of you guys. I'd love yeah. to see that one. That yeah. would, if there's one match in the history that I could, I could see that we haven't seen, that'd probably be it. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> be up there. But yeah, so I guess I got Zane. We'll move on. 157. Real uh, quick, Jason real quick. Dolph. Don't move on yet. Dyson uh, yeah. Gould. What do you think? Just real, real quick. Um, wow, you really put me on the spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's a like you guys have been saying. I've been. I agree with all the points you guys. Uh, both tough on top. Uh, I think Zane definitely uh, better chance of getting a turn. But I think, like Sam said, the riding time would cancel out. And uh, also, like Sam said, that on their feet they're so similar, just nonstop attacking, just very aggressive, just going at it, and. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Matt's been saying uh, in a toss-up. i got to go with the Hawk. I mean, it's not going to matter. It's still 3-2, but. Of course. Yeah, of we course brought him are. on for this. We brought him on yep. for this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not going to matter in this match, though. Right. No. All right. Let's Love move on. 157. Yeah, let's step on it. We've been doing this for an hour now, and it's <laughs> we're like four, four weights in. Yeah. Jason Nolf versus Derek St. John. Um, you know, one of the many battles of of. of national champs in this duel um all right i mean david you wrestled both of them right yeah um yeah wrestling room derek was tough he was one of the toughest guys i think i wrestled in college because you know he at that time you know he he did understand kind of how to extend scrambles he was really really had really strong hips so i would early in my career when i wrestled him i just shot so much and i get stuck under his hips um and uh you know we we wrestled three times my freshman year and all, all, all i majored him in the dual meet in uh at penn state but then the next two matches were decisions um but he was he was tough i i just think that you know jason would win this match by decision um i think Derek again was really tough and i think he probably based on just the era that he was in um he probably would have been more accomplished because he was really good wrestler but he, he wrestled some really tough guys um but Jason's just one of those guys that's a complete package wrestler across the board. It could definitely be bonus points, um, but he was really tough to bonus. So I think probably, you know, you're talking about six, seven point win right on the borderline. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, before we get into our picks, Matt, how do you see it? Um, you know, I've tried to be a homer, um, but I'm also very objective. So riding that line like David is is not uh is not easy but you know I think he pretty much said it best um St. John was is like Nico without the without the flexibility just stingy I mean he's always going to keep himself in every match he's ever wrestling in um hard-nosed but you look at the skill set of Jason Nolf um and what he's able to do um and you know, I it's probably a close decision for Nolf. It's first one um, that 
you know, it's they're both national champs. Nolf's obviously a three-timer. He's got a much bigger credentials. Um, the only thing that would, as a Hawkeye, that would make me um, think otherwise is the the Hidley match, and I've, anybody could reference that for anything. Is mm-hmm. another stingy guy, not going to score on him easy, and he's going to keep himself in the match. But I just, you know, I just see this matchup going Nolf's way. Yeah, I, no. I, I will agree side. with that. Jason Nolf. Yep. It's just, it's one of those that we're kind of getting into for Penn State where it's just a generational guy versus, you know, and also amazing wrestler, but it, it's got to be Nolf here. Sam, are you going the same way? Yes or no? I mean, people do forget. I'm pretty sure St. John has multiple wins over Daringer. Um, that's not, you know, that's not a an easy win that's a young daringer but multiple wins and like david said um some of the guys he went up against throughout his career were incredible right um but just you know really digging into this one it's it's hard i mean it's is it is it possible yes of course any of these are possible and this one certainly it's possible but in all likelihood you look at jason Knopf's um, collegiate career that's I mean very close to unblemished yeah yeah I don't think bonus points here but I think that it's a it's a pretty uh, handled win I don't know four two five two something like that um, but let's go ahead and keep I'm moving you. on I'm gonna go step out real quick I gotta run to the bathroom but I'll be right back nice and Dyson should right. be here in a second um, 165 pounds we've got our man David Taylor versus Alex Marinelli. Um, and interesting enough, Jude, you know, we have David in the lineup here, but we didn't originally, Jude. So tell us. Tell, tell us what happened there. I don't oh, know you want, if you want David, me to tell it? Are you no, sure? I, I, I'll tell it. I don't know if David's heard this or not, but when we originally did this, you know, I, I we assigned different teams to different people and kind of went through and like and made our team so that, that, you know, one person didn't have to sit down and, and look through all this stuff. Um, and Jude sent me his lineup and I looked at it and I was like, Jude, are you missing anybody on here? And he's like, I, I don't know. And I was like, seriously, look at it again. He goes, Oh my God. And he had, he had not put you in the lineup. I was like, dude, not only did you leave him out, he's your coach. <laughs> you see this man regularly. <laughs> Who did uh, who did he have in Vincenzo? Yeah, yeah. Vincenzo, and yeah. Oh man. Hey, David, Listen. don't don't be mad at that. I'm looking. I'm looking at a lineup that I'm not even in, <laughs> and that's and it's a it's an accurate assessment. I'm on the backup of this lineup, so for him to just make a mistake and put a national a multi-time national champ in front of you for a brief moment, I guess is you know it wasn't not, even like official as, as it could it be. My- Listen, Ed. I thought I had a mental lapse. I was looking at the past five years, not the best ten years. Um, <laughs> Call me old, Jude? What? Oh, oh, man, oh, I'm, I'm just saying wow. Chenzo is maybe a little younger. Maybe. Jeez. Um, Chenzo does have a sweet inside trip. David, do you have a sweet inside trip? No, that's why this match would be much different than what their matches are. <laughs> I'm not going up her body. Honestly, That's not what I do. Honestly, we should probably throw in Vincenzo for our entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Oh, gosh, no. no. I do we not want to talk to that. That'd be great. But, no, we won't do that because we got to no. keep it somewhat accurate. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm not going to make a, 
a judgment on this having David on here. Um, I think that you guys can generate a lot of good points yourselves, but I'm just excited. This is, you know, one of two guys in the Iowa lineup that still has time left to compete, and I'm very close with uh, Marinelli. I love him. Um, so I'm just excited to see what he can do. I think that, again, just pointing out past outside of the Vincenzo Joseph duel um, this year, you know, you look at his NCAA results, and I don't think those are indicative of how tough he is. Um, but it's also, you know, you could say that about Nick Lee. I don't think his NCAA results or Rome Bravo Young are indicative of how – that there's still time left. You know, you, there's a lot of guys who underperform, underperform, and then they finally reach that pinnacle, win it, and then they go into international and they have great success. There's guys that don't have any success in college and they get to international and they finally hit their stride. Um, there's guys that have success early in college and then later in college they, they fall off. So um, I'm not going to you know, make a, a pick either way, but and David on here, his resume speaks for himself. Um, I'm just, you know, I think that, I think that Marinelli is definitely um, a very, very tough, capable wrestler who's got a lot ahead of him, just like RBY and Nick Lee um, and Spencer Lee. Uh, so that's that's my spiel, but I would love to hear what you guys have to say about you know the matchup specifically. Yeah, and I I mean we're obviously not gonna you know make anybody make picks in this situation, and I think we all know which way this match is gonna go. Um, I just I'm interested, David. Do you have any comments on you David, know who are you picking? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pick. Just was, anything you have was, about the match. If you yeah. don't pick yourself, I'd be upset with you. <laughs> so these were, you know, this was like, you know, when I was at Penn State, you know, we didn't really have like the hammer lineup up and down. You know, like so <clears throat> frequently we go on the break, come out, and we would be down. And it was up to really kind of Ed and myself and Quentin. And Quentin, outside the national tournament, wasn't yeah. always the same in dual meets. So a lot of times, you know, Ed and I would take a match that wasn't even close and flip it to our favor. You know, we would lose matches. You know, we'd be down in dual 6-4, but the bonus points of those two matches were the difference maker. And that would be really the same here. You know, I'm not here to really talk about myself, but history of dual meets in these situations would speak for it, I think. And just the difference maker is mat wrestling here. I'm not an upper body guy. I'm not going to mess around in over-unders and side trips. I'm getting to the lay. I'm getting a takedown. I'm getting tough on top, and I'm going to get turns. Um, and that was what I did my entire career. I think there's maybe only two people, one or two people, maybe maybe three that didn't turn. So, I mean, I, I think I'd get a turn here, get a major decision, and uh, we'd be winning this dual meet going into 174. Mm. David, does it – does the factor <laughs> – Marinelli is a bald man, and so is Kale Sanderson. Does that come into play here? <laughs> does the lack uh, of hair. Um, I don't sorry. know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer You've wrestled more than one <laughs> Iowa guy that's pretty stingy to score on, though. Is Derek St. John is it the only one. Yeah, I would say – You wrestled Evans, too. Evans, Yeah. I turned Evans to get a major at the Big Tens when we were really close with Iowa to kind of push us over the top. So wasn't there another match though with Evans? We wrestled multiple times. I won. I think I won maybe one or two decisions and then one major decision. So yeah. So same thing with same thing with St. John. 
So yeah. there, there's a possibility. I mean, I'm again, I'm not making. <laughs> sick, I would say that uh, that's not a. It's not a cut and dry. Oh, it's a major. But I again, I'm not going to get into the debate. Well, I'm not saying it's a cut and dry major either. But I don't think I, we've know, gone a single major no, yet. You know, there's another factor. We, you know, we're from the same high school program, and Grant yeah, traditionally cool. doesn't know how to get off the bottom, so <laughs> that's going to play a factor. And it's just, I mean, uh, I was going to turn here. I was going to turn. Here. <laughs> <laughs> there were all right. Personal factors all right. going into this match. I was going to make sure I was going to get All right. That's all right. That's yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. David. After you beat him. We'll say it's the Big Ten tournament. We'll say we're wrestling in uh, Michigan State's arena. Do you flex on brands? No. I, <laughs> what? I'll tell you, I have a funny brand story. So I think okay, it's more about go. pumping up the Penn State crowd. You know, when I was in school, you know, Penn State and Iowa, like, obviously we went back and forth, specifically in tournaments. Um, and in Big Tens, there was the match I wrestled Evans. And I, I got a t- tilt, right? Literally right at the end of the match. And I got up and I was like, uh, I don't know, getting the Penn State people in the crowd. And I felt Brands like, like literally like he was right behind me on my neck and just like screaming at me. I don't <laughs> remember which one it was. And I don't even remember the words. But I'm like, man, this is crazy. But I feel like, you know, when you're in college, you, uh, you get caught up in like these rivalries and things. But when you graduate and you're all wrestling for Team USA, they go away. You know, and it's, yeah. it's interesting. You know, now it's like you have conversations and everyone's team. I remember wrestling at Beat the Streets. And at I'm, I'm at Penn State. Obviously, we're wrestling back and forth with Iowa all the time, tight dual meets. You know, there wasn't really, like, much relationship there. And I'm, like, walking out to wrestle. And he, Brands, like, pops out of nowhere, like, with his hand out. And he's like, good luck, Taylor. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Where did this come from? You know? But it was, like, I was, that, that was kind of like that example. And then, obviously – um, I remember times when I was younger training with Metcalf and um, they used to like grab me to wrestle with him just because I was one of the few people that would wrestle him. You know, a lot of people would just try and survive when they were doing it. And I was trying to go out and wrestle him equal it, he was. And I think he obviously gained some of their respect during that time. So um, no, I wouldn't be doing that stuff, but I would definitely make sure Penn state was, was getting ready to go. Cause we we're getting ready to get to our gauntlet. We're going to start scoring a lot of points. Hey, when you were in college, would you have, like, if I had told you when you were in college, you're going to train with Kyle Snyder and Thomas Gilman. Those guys are going to be Penn State guys at the RTC. Would you believe me? Uh, I mean, well, we're at Nitty Line Wrestling Club, so it's separate from yeah. Penn State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, Nitty Line Wrestling Club is the best RTC in the world. So, I mean, it's where people want to train. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah. So, are, are we going major? I'm, I'm going major here. I'm going major. Jude? All right, no so major. So we're major. But I'm getting outvoted. <laughs> You're outvoted. Majority rules. Outvoted. Come on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Home cooking. Home cooking. I can see David, why now he's, you know, was upset at some of the others. <laughs> but David, so 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 it's kind of hard to really like pout too much because he's freaking on here. I mean, <laughs> I I mean. sabotaged it. Yeah. Uh, so. We'll get into 174. Mark Hall versus Jay Borschel. Um, this nope. Is another Wait, match would nope, be really up. fun to watch. Nope, we're not. We're I'm, not. I was thinking about it, and my buddy Aaron Little texted me, and he's like, Jude, you, you got to do a lineup switch here. So I'm going Ed 74, Bo 84, Quentin 97. And I have to put <laughs> the checks back. <laughs> what? I think that would be our best lineup for this match. How you many years was that at 74? 
Wait, it doesn't matter. So hold up. I, I've been I've said this needed to be the lineup from the first round, dude. You've ignored me until the finals. But Aaron Little. <laughs> Didn't Matt Aaron Little is the one who swayed me. <laughs> oh wow. Um, the disrespect on Mark Hall right now. I Yeah. Don't tell him. He'll get me on dodgeball. Ed and I <laughs> All right, Sam, I'm gonna change it. Okay, All right. so Ed Ruth. Sorry about your checks. <laughs> All right, go ahead and get started. Right, Ed Ruth go. versus Jay Borschel. What years was Ed Ruth at 74? How many? One or two? Uh, one. I believe it's one, yeah. One? But you get to take his whole career. Taking his whole career. Boom, he wrestled there once. Yeah, I get it. But, I mean, he's still 174-pound Ed Ruth. I'm going Jay Borschel. That's my teammate. I'm going Jay Borschel. I have to go Jay Borschel. Wait, I think I was at 174 two years. Um, yeah, he was two years. Two years. Because he lost, and I think he beat Amucha Stegi the second year at 174, and then went up to 84 and wrestled uh, the Maryland guy. and uh, uh, Headlock, Shep Talk, that one. Yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> Ed's um, sophomore year at 174 was Ed's best year. He was the – he was um, – I mean, that year he was on a – he lost – so just to give a little perspective of this one. So Ed lost in, as a freshman literally because, like, he, like, basically didn't – he lost, I think, two matches that year. We were at the Ninny Lion Open. He was sleeping in the stands. Couldn't find him. Get him, comes downstairs, and he like he's in this match with this guy. He's a good wrestler. And he just kind of like had this front headlock and like fell to his back, and he just like kind of didn't care. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, why would you do that? So like in the years, still kind of like at that point, he kind of like didn't really like wrestling. Caught the NCAA tournament, was wrestling with Steg. He got caught in like a bent leg turp, and he tore his meniscus. And he didn't know to take injury time. Like, he just kind of just kind of kept getting, like, turned. And then after the first period, his knee was locked up. After that year, he finished and wrestled, I think, Mac Loons and that tough kid Heinrich maybe from uh, from uh, uh, Virginia, which oh, – Oh, you're talking about Borschel. Okay. Yeah. Talking about uh, – Heinrich, Heinrich, Virginia. Yes, Virginia. You're talking about Ed that year. So he didn't oh, wrestle Ed. Borschel. But he – the only thing he cared about – after that, after he, after he came out and got third, was, was like just beating Amucha Stegi. And that was the most disciplined and like hungry Ed like probably ever was. So Ed at 174 that year, his sophomore, is probably maybe, it's probably Ed's best version. He was unbelievable that year. <laughs> so I think, uh, and Ed was just like, I mean, I, he's the most, still to this day, I've wrestled a lot of great wrestlers. And Ed has the most intangibles of anyone I've ever wrestled. He could like explode. He was fast. You could. He had unbelievable misdirections. You know, he just got kind of disinterested in wrestling and wanted to start fighting. But if he was serious about wrestling, hundred percent bought in. I mean, I think when we talk about Ed as maybe like you talking about, he could have the potential to be the absolute greatest wrestler of all time. Like he was unbelievable. So that's my that's my little rant about Ed um, as we kind of get into this. So as a teammate, obviously, um, I think him here uh yeah that year was he was unbelievable when Ed was set his mind to something I mean he never really kind of he didn't achieve it so he was he was tough so in this dual meet um that year as a sophomore he was going to be very very difficult I think to beat so I have a question and we we had Jordan Conway on last round and we asked him and he obviously was like oh well I was wrestling so I didn't really see much um but you know you and Ed were in the same room for multiple years and did you guys roll together a lot and like 
how did that look? I mean, I'm talking about. So people used to ask that all the time in college, you know, and uh, obviously when you're in the moment and you're competitive, you don't ever want to like say anything, but I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, Ed, Ed beat me pretty handily my entire college career. And just because of how we were, obviously weight class was a big difference, 57 and 74, 65 and 84 played, a, you know, obviously a big factor in that. But I mean, he was just like ahead of me, like in every, I was, I mean, I felt my opponents were fearful when I was on bottom. When you were a bottom, Ed, you were fear the entire time, like, of, you know, his cradles and, you know, so when he was, when he came in and he was ready to go, just the way he wrestled at that time, he was the next level. So, yeah, I mean, he, I think he gets kind of lost sometimes in how good he was, but he was unbelievable. That's, that's really cool to hear. Um, yes. Yeah, so we, we heard a lot about Ed, Matt, hey, what about the case for real Jay? Quick, did I, did, is that all the checks and everything? Is that all right? The score? I think you're right. I believe so. so far. Okay. <clears throat> cool. All right, go ahead, um, Matt. You know, I think I, I agree with David a lot in an era with a boatload of studs and the media on wrestling exploding. Ed Ruth got lost in the mix as a guy. I mean, I remember because it was right after, right in the second half and after my career watching him wrestle. And you're just like, man, I mean, everybody respects him. But, man, really, the, there's, not a, there's not very many eyes on him. And this guy is – He's in a different world from everyone else. Um, so in that regard, I absolutely have always thought that, you know, it's kind of an underrepresented stud. Um, but you go back and really touch on kind of what uh, Taylor said about the differences in, in wrestlers and, and that um, domination factor. You know, it's just – it was a different era. Um, but I've known Jay since I was a little kid. Um, he's high school teammate, college teammate, um, and that's a guy specifically to folk style wrestling. Um, he was extremely determined, and that senior year version of Jay Borschel, there wasn't anything stopping him from winning a national title, as you saw in the in the um, national tournament when he got down. And I would love to see this matchup. It's kind of like the 149, just because, and it may seem like it's lopsided because of the credentials of Ed Ruth got to remember Jay Borschel and Brett Metcalf only had three years. Um, there was no getting beat out of a lineup. They just, they only had three years. Um, Why was that? I always forget. They lost a year eligibility when they transferred from Virginia Tech coming with oh. Tom Brand. So yeah. And, and that the year that Brett Metcalf was, he was traveling all over international. Dustin Slater won it, uh, I believe. So that was, or no, it might have been the true freshman year of Metcalf when he redshirted, watched that, and then the next year he had to sit out while someone else won it at 149 before he could go in. Um, you know, Borshaw was, is, you know, maybe not quite that caliber, but was certainly would have been a threat um, right away. And you never know what would happen. But as far as that senior year goes, um, and my knowledge of Jay, you know, this is just me, honestly, no, no bones about it, a bias of – I believe in my guy, my teammate, and I know what he's capable of, just like David believes in Ed Ruth. Um, I think if you go sheerly, again, on just results, it's favored by Ed Ruth, but my pick's Jay Borschel. Um, 
for the fact that, you know, when it comes down to a, a long, hard-fought match, um, there's really no position he's bad in or even um, lesser in than, um, than anyone. Uh, and he's just mentality-wise, he's going to find a way to keep himself in there. Mm. Yeah. Let's hear from Dyson. Dyson no, we got to get this done. <laughs> it's been an hour. Dyson, what do you think? Um, so, I uh, I agree with what you guys were saying about how Edwis kind of been lost and with uh, the media and all that because, um, you know, when I first started watching wrestling, Ed Ruth was one of the – it was before I was actually a Hawkeye fan, which, I mean, can you believe that? But uh, <laughs> I actually <laughs> – and uh, I was I was watching, like, the – what like Penn State when uh Ed and, and you David were on the teams and stuff like that and uh Ed was just so dominant um with his cradles and all that and uh I think I'd, I think I'd actually have to take Ed in this match what yeah. what he's really gonna t- he's really gonna I'm not as biased as dude we're not I would, all non-stop homework. yeah I mean, do I think my pick is completely objective? No, but I'm also honest. It's not completely objective, but I think, right. you know, in my perspective, I see, um, you know, in the, for the sake of this duel and the, you know, this, the, the fun fantasy factor of it, I, I think Gabe yeah. Borshall can win this match. I got a quick question for David. So, uh, David, you and Marinelli both went to Graham. Did you guys – uh, he's obviously a lot younger than you, but like when he was in like junior high or anything, did you guys like overlap? Dang, Dyson like- and Judah both calling you old, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was like he was so young. So when I was there, um, I would go in like at so we'd wrestle our high school practices, and at night we would go back. And not many high school kids really would go, but it was a lot of the youth kids. You know, like the like Bo and Micah and Marinelli and um, the little more kids. And I would just go in and just, you know, for my second workout to kind of control my weight, I would just roll around with all those kids. So at the time, Marinelli was like, they call him the Raging Bull. He was just like this, just one of those kids that's like 10, but weighs like 100 and some pounds. But he wasn't really, like, he was just tough and like strong, kind of like how he is now. He's obviously grown into his, you know, body and stuff, you know, into high school. I mean, he's a really tough wrestler. So, but that was, we were completely different eras. Like, I mean, it was. Yeah. I was, you know, what in high school, and he maybe in middle school. I don't. When did he? Know. When did he start working he, out at Graham? He moved there. I don't know when he was like. He was pretty young. I don't know, eight, nine, ten. It's such a long time ago. I mean, we're we're we got to be. I don't know, ten, twelve years apart, probably. So I mean, it's. I didn't realize it's that big of a difference. Yeah, long, long. Yeah, pretty. I mean, he was young when I was there. When I was, yeah. yeah. So it's rock and roll. I'm. I'm. Uh. I'm, I don't want to cut anybody off or leave. So I'm going to try to oh, finish absolutely. this out. Yeah. yeah. All right. So real quick, you know what me and David Jacob. choose? Quite obviously. What is yeah. Sam and Jude and the bunch? I think I'm going to have to go a little bit of recency bias. Um. I really don't know Jay Borshell that well. Um. I know his stats pretty well, but just watching him wrestle, I've, I have not watched a, a great number of matches. Probably around five. Um, but Ed Roots, I've watched a lot. I know him. I know him really well. Um, Jay Borchell, though, is very, very tough, and I think in a long grinding match, I'd have to favor Borchell, but you know me. I prove a point for one guy, and I pick the other, so <laughs> Ed Ruth. 
by his yeah. own admission. I'll go Ed Ruth as well. Ed Ruth, one of the best to ever do it. Nice. Uh, you picked up oh, 184 pounds, Bo Nickel versus Sammy Brooks. Um, we, we I'm making a substitution. Home. Oh, no. <laughs> no oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, for the sake of the duel, I'm going Phil Ketty. He got to get him in there. He's a three-time All-American. All right. He guys, will not be ridden. And Splatled? I'm just going to say that Bo Nickel's not going to throw him because he's a big freaking tree. <laughs> very, very wide base, and he's not going for a ride. And we know was, what's happened with uh, Sammy Brooks when they wrestled. I got to be honest. I was waiting for that. There's okay. no way Why that not? Sammy I mean, Brooks. this is – I'm. hey, listen, this is the third duel I've done. I'm having a fun time with it now. Yeah. I was like David the first one, and I was freaking super anxious because I'm super competitive, and then now you're like, oh, it's fantasy, I, whatever. You, yeah. If you, if you saw what I went through the last two duels, David – these guys just throwing out random results here and there and just kind of just picking however they want. You got to – I'm like, all right, I'll play the game. It's just throwing random substitutions. and. But I think this is a good lines. one, though. I so, mean, how do you spell his last name? Is it K-E-T-T-Y? D. K-E-D-D-Y. D-D-Y. Okay, there we go. That's why. I'm going to make sure I spell it right. His finishes were fifth. Fourth, fifth, seventh. I want. I don't know if that's per right. Totally right. Fourth, fifth, seventh. Um, obviously, if anyone knows anything about the wrestling of the last few decades, was notorious for zero second escapes. He did get escapes with two minutes still on the clock. Uh, so, wow. was not easy ridden. Now you throw a guy. I mean, he did get ridden by uh, Jake Herbert. So, I mean, he has been, you know, ridden, um, but I don't know if I ever witnessed him getting smoked by, like, just absolutely blown out by anyone, um, and I, I, I'd like to see this matchup. I think it'd be fun. He'd always do double unders. That was what what I was thinking about. And I was going to go with the pick that worries me, but a lot different than Sammy Brooks. He wasn't like going upper body to throw. He'd go double unders and he'd walk people to the edge, and everyone in Carver would go beep beep beep. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, All right, so I guess Matt just took the splatel off the table, possibly. That's what I was looking um, for. But I don't, know if you, I don't know if you can splatel Phil Cuddy. It's like one of those <laughs> kind of guys, like. <laughs> It, it would it would break something to get it, and to get it is virtually impossible. Nice. Uh, but, um, I mean, I don't know if it changes much. I'll let you guys decide that. Um, but why not throw them in there and for fun? Yeah. And All if you right. throw them in there, you're going to pick them, right? Yeah. I don't <laughs> actually change anything, but at the very least, there's less bonus happening. Right. Um, well, I mean, All you're right. talking about the three-time champ who won the Hodge and Hodge trophy. Yeah. pinned in half the people he wrestled <laughs> at one at some point in their career. He threw a threw a little pin on them. Um, so, I, I mean, it's probably going to go to Bo Nickel, but I'm taking decision. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'll follow with with Bo Nickel. Well, right. you know, it's all been said. I'm let's just hear. Go. Let's hear David's take. You know, we got Bo Nichols number two on all-time pins list, one pin behind Jason Nolf. So, what what do you think, David? Really? 
He's one pin behind him. David, how many 60, pins do you have? 60 for Jason and 59 for Bo. How many did DT have? David's like... Ning Zane and I both had like 55. Yeah, but then you throw in some more techs and it was really... No. I only had like six pins my freshman year, but I think I had double-digit techs. So I, I didn't start pinning people until a little bit later in my career. But those guys, I mean, Jason and, uh, and Bo were just – they were better pinners than I was in college. I mean, mm-hmm. they are just – Bo was – I mean, Bowie might be the most dangerous pinner in the – I don't know, maybe in, as long There's as I can remember. Looking at my own, like, past credentials or whatever, I didn't I, – I rarely ever tech. I almost always either it was a pin or a major. So I was the same way. I as these guys, like I could pin and not not as good, but I could pin. But I think it's it's pretty impressive to be able to roll people up and tech them like Zane could do. You could do just over and over and over and over again. Which why you know tilts and and turns of that nature so beneficial because you can just hit them really quick over and over and over and end the match in first or early second period. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I remember Phil Ketty from Utah. Actually, from what, actually Utah from when I used to live out west. But this is just a matchup that's gonna go Bo's way. Um, I think. Uh, I don't know. You guys can debate the bonus points and stuff, but I, I think. Bonus. Mm. I think Phil. I do think Phil would be a tough guy because he wasn't really. He didn't really shoot. Didn't really do much of anything, he just was very consistent. So, you know, he'd be a guy you'd have to work really hard on to get the bonus points. So, um, I, I don't know. I'd say really close to that. I'd say it's probably either a pen or a decision. That's probably what I'm <laughs> well, I'm taking the decision on that one. I'm taking the decision. Not the I'm going to go with decision. All right. Yeah. We got a three-point decision for Bo. Sure. Jacob. Give Bo, yeah. by decision. All right. All right. Cool. Dual meet Quentin Wright. David Taylor, what do you oh, think? Oh, no. <laughs> Dual meet Quentin Wright. <laughs> Not national tournament Quentin Yes, Wright. it is. Dual this meet. is Pete, uh, Pete Quentin. Best Quentin beating Dustin Kilgore. All right. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about Quentin Wright versus Nathan Burak at 197. Um, man. So, I don't know. Who do we want to go first to talk about this one? David, kick it to you. Tell us about Quentin Wright, please. Quentin is like one of the most interesting. Like when I tell stories in, in practice, or Juice probably heard the story. I mean, he's Quentin's literally the only person in my life I've ever known that could just turn the switch on and off like that. Like there was when he was on, he didn't lose, and when he was off, it was. I mean, we went into the Big Tens my freshman year. He was in ninth seat at the Big Tens. It's like ninth out of like eleven people, and um, one beat these guys. I mean, these guys literally majored him during the season. Steinhaus, Grant Gambrel, um, the got pinned by the Wisconsin kid Rutt and beat all three of them in a row. You know, so and then at the nationals did it again. So it's just like I don't know. He, he should. I mean, should have been three time national champ. Should have been. I mean, um, should, I, th- I really think that. But uh, I don't. Who did he lose to in the national finals? Was he in the finals? Was he a two-time finalist or two-time finalist? Three-time finalist, three in a row. He was he all American as a freshman and yeah, then three-time three finalist, two-time champ. So I um, mean, he's I don't know. I again, this is this is like uh, I mean, this, there's so many different outcomes here. Quentin could pin. 
he could win, could lose. Like, um, and that, that that's just – but I would say Quentin as – at his best, his that was, that was more early Quentin. That was like sophomore year Quentin. But as a senior, he was really consistent that year. I mean, he was – I think he was undefeated that year. One, he might have had one loss. Uh, I, funny story about Quentin. We, uh, we were at the All-Star match my junior year. So that would be his senior year. And I lost to Dick in this, like, obviously really tight match. And Quentin was wrestling the kid from Pitt. And I think it was an overtime. And I think he, like, threw, him to his, threw, him, threw himself to his back and got pinned, I think. Oh. And he comes back, and I'm obviously, like, upset. And he comes back, and he's kind of, like, getting his shoes on. He goes, well, I thought that was pretty good. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, I remember looking at him, but, like, he just had this way of thinking where he was just – it didn't really affect him. You know, he knew, like, there were certain things that he needed to do. And when he did them, like, he knew that he was going to be able to do it down the road. And that would make him so so effective at the national tournament. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would say in this you know, senior year, Quentin Wright, he wins this match. Um, it's the same thing. I think it's, it's his decision or it's a pin. Like, that's just how I think that that match would be. Burek was very tough. You know, he had that weird, like, where he struck with McIntosh. McIntosh always shot, like, low, low shots and high crotches. And Burek had that flexible knee kind of, like, in the crotch throw position, really slow, slow him down and two-on-one. But you're going to two-on-one Quentin, or I, that's not going to be good for you. Um Quentin had that great underhook double leg shot, so I think Quentin would get to work, get a couple takedowns. I'd probably take him by decision. Mm. It's weird. I, it's funny that you'd say that that story about Quentin because, like, my experience with Quentin has always been he's really – he's just a real nice, easygoing dude who, like, kind of just has this this persistent personality that, like, just no matter what happens, he's, like, all right with it. I don't know. It's, it's cool. He's really cool. Uh, what do you see, Matt? Left-handed headlock, Nathan Burek for the pin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, remember we're debating a duel based on you know paper statistics, um, and then my connection to a lot of these guys and David's connection to a lot of them. Um, I think Nathan Burek is a very capable wrestler on paper. There's no question. Quentin Wright is. Um, is tougher but if you look at you know the scenario we're looking at it's a dual me um who knows we're late in the duel you just don't know and honestly if we're late in the duel and it's not technically i mean it's just kind of just another match that might even favor Birak because uh there's not there's not a specific pressure on him or if it was closer Maybe the pressure's really on him. You're in Carver, and he goes and gets a takedown. Um, I'll take uh, I'll take Nathan Burak just because he's Nathan Burak because he's my nice. man. Nice, nice. Um, and we're in a dual meet, mostly because we're in a dual meet. Mm-hmm. If we're talking national tournament, I mean, I watched Quentin in the national tournament. What David's saying, I mean, dude is just like flipping a switch. The Big Tens and the Nationals, it was all like all of a sudden, you're like, where did this guy come from? I, I remember the same thing out of when, when I was – so before I was in college, um, one of the – I believe it was – I believe it was Jake Rochel. I don't know. There's so many. Um, but the, the Rochel who's won multiple national titles, I remember him. And you know who else is a, a 
Jaggers at 141. These guys going yeah. in the national tournament, returning champs, and they're like not even the second or third seed. They're like way down the line because their their season was underwhelming for what people expected of them. But it's just, I mean, if you know wrestling and you know these people, you're not going to pick. Are you kidding me? Pick against them. I know what they're capable of. They're going to do it this year too. Some people just that's what they do. Um, so from a, you know, total total package standpoint, Quentin Wright, we know where uh, his ability levels are, but hey, it's a it's a dual meet. A lot of a lot of things going up and down. A lot of emotions flowing. Nathan Burak hits a lefty headlock <laughs> to put it back into the greatest dual meet that never actually happened. Dice. Um, you know, like, uh, I think I'll have to go with, uh, as much as I, uh, love my man, Nathan Burak, I think I'll have to go with Quentin Wright again, or not again, but a Penn State guy again. Yeah. Uh, another funny story, uh, before I was a pre-Iowa fan again, uh, I got a, I got a picture when I was like five or six with Quentin Wright and he signed my headgear. It's a great day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Quentin right? I mean, and we talk about, you know, how he kind of maybe struggled a little bit during the season and then really turned on at the end. Um, these guys actually did wrestle each other. Um, it was during a duel during the season, and Quentin won 8-3. to three. Um, Pretty handle, handled win, so I'm going to go that was Quentin. Probably, was that Quentin's senior year? Uh, it, looks, it looks like it. Quentin's senior, Nathan's freshman must have been or something. Huh, yeah. I didn't even – I should have known that. I didn't even I didn't know, know that. that. That was probably uh, 20, uh, 2013. Yeah, because that was my senior year. And Nathan was a he, – well, he was a – he gray-shirted, but then he was a true freshman in the lineup at Iowa. Um, so I should have known that. It was also at Carver. So well, yeah, you know, I got to go with Quentin. Major things have happened. <laughs> I'm going Quentin as well, and Jude, um, you got, you got Burek with a pin? Yeah, that's what I was definitely <laughs> going to go with. Yeah. All right. Um, so, on to the last match of the duel. We got Anthony oh, Kassar versus Bobby Telford. Whew, man. Um, where do we want to start here? Well, I guess, McD- Matt, do you want to start off with Bobby? The big freaking dude, and he – had big old bear paws and clubbed everybody he wrestled and he had a lot of lot of uh, barms on top um i mean you're talking about a big big body guy going up against kasar who you're taking his best year and man it's hard to make a statement when you know he went through um gable stevenson um, and Derek White. Did he did he beat Gable Stevenson in the national tournament last year too? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the semifinals. Yeah, so you're talking about a guy who beat Gable Stevenson twice in a row um, and Derek White at his best. So if you take, you know, injuries out of it, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick um, against Kassar. And probably the biggest reason I say that is one of the major um, – uh, competitors of Telford's career was uh, Mike McMillan, McMullen uh, mm-hmm. from Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a smaller, super athletic, strong for his size heavyweight. 
and that always gave you know he him and Telford battled over and over and over. I think Telford beat him once or maybe twice, but that's a guy who's smaller um, and and probably you know if I compare him to Kassar, not quite at the level Kassar was last year. So I'm taking Kassar. I don't think it's a a you know just being how big he is. There's no way it's a major in my mind. Um, and probably it's not even a high scoring match. It's probably one or two takedowns, but I think just from watching him against, you know, firsthand watching him against Gable and I was Telford's teammate. So I watched him a lot firsthand too, but just the way he wrestled, he, you know, finds, finds an opening and probably, probably gets, um, gets a takedown at some point. Um, you know, the only thing I could think of on Iowa side is top and bottom. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if anybody rode out Kassar last year at all. Um, I don't think – and I know Gable doesn't ride. I don't – there's not really not a lot of – there wasn't a lot of guys who really put a lot of emphasis on riding um, yeah. at the time. And Telford, but that Telford was huge. Always does, huge in that. I mean, Telford would ride guys out for a whole match. So that would be the only thing in my mind that would potentially sway it is Telford um, putting on a really tough ride and then neutralizing Kassar on the feet. But I, I'm still, I, just based on what I know, I'm going to go with uh, Kassar in a, in a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So what, do you, what are your thoughts, David? Yeah, I think Matt's uh, kind of said it. You know, like, Telford was really tough heavyweight. You know, he was really, I mean, he wrestled uh, Cameron Wade when I was in college. And he just always was this guy that could just kind of stay in it. And towards uh, – we went on some international trips and stuff together. But Kassar is just – I mean, he, when he really was able to stay healthy for the first time in his career, and, um, you know, he was he was really tough. I mean, I think Gable is one – is a great heavyweight. And I think he – Matt, you have a pretty good analysis of that. So, I go with Kassar, a couple double legs. Absolutely. And- I'm going to take Kassar as well. Give me, uh, give me Anthony Kassar. Did you guys see that picture on his Instagram of him in like the, <laughs> the jungle the with like a, a knife and a gun? Oh, a that spear? one. Yeah. How about what's him with the chimp? They got a pet chimp now. <laughs> Man, it's awesome. I think the real question is, how do I get on that bulk job that Kassar had? Because man, Oof. I want, I gotta find that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we all got Kassar. So, no, no bonus, right? No, sir. No. no. Nope. All I right. Guess well, with that. <laughs> what do we got 22 here? to 9. Three wins. I'm still a little salty about the Metcalf one, but still. that's too that's too much of you a – You said like, you were fine with everything that we said. It's a 50-50. What you say? You, you said it was fine. Yeah, I'm saying, like, from a competitive standpoint, let's put it yeah. this way. If – we flipped the scores. You'd probably hear the same thing from Dave Taylor being like, this freaking, I'm just competitive. I want to win even a stupid piece of paper dual meet that never actually happens or will happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, again, you're it taking a decade. Dave, are you ready for <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You're taking a decade where one team won 11, what, 11, 12, 13, 14, no 15, 16, 17, 18. Is that right? 19? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one, that's You're it. taking a decade where one team won eight and the other team won one, maybe two. 
I mean, you just think about probabilities, probably going to be some serious hammers in both lineups, but, um, yeah, you know, no, you're right. I'm excited to see the future though. That'll that'll be some good battles next year. I mean, we, we could do a fake dual meet with Penn state's lineup next year and Iowa's lineup next year. And that'd be just as fun, but I won't do that. That would be very fun. I'm not wrestling now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna debate that too much, but no, this was fun. The freaking, there's some good teams right there. There's a lot of national titles in that on that piece of paper right there. I'm glad you were able to enjoy. I'm glad you were able to make it on, Matt. I really appreciate it. And you, you too, Coach. Two. Coach David Taylor. Thanks for thanks for being available. Thanks for coming on. I mean, I guess with that, this this Dumi kind of wraps up this whole tournament, this whole project we've been doing on for the past whatever month now. Um, I'm really glad that so many people have found this enjoyable and have you know taking part in it. Um, got a lot of really great guys to come on and, and give their takes and, um, and just have some, you know, good genuine conversation about wrestling while, you know, at this time that there's no wrestling really to, to, to talk about. So hopefully not for long though. Sports will return. Wrestling will return. So, All right. We'll wrap it up and let you guys get back to normal life. Um, but thank you from the HMA crew. Uh, we'll see you next time.